Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Life Plus God podcast. I'm your host, Alyssa Robinson, and today I am here with our special guest, Julie Hawkins. Hey, Julie. Hey, Alyssa. And Julie is our Director of Children and Family Ministries here at Treach Memorial United Methodist Church in Flower Mound, Texas. And she's going to help us out a little bit today uh, with talking to our kids about Lent. So our big question is, how do I talk to my kids about Lent? Uh, I knew you were going to start <laughs> with that question. Because, uh, well, that's the title of this podcast episode. So you had to have known you would have to answer that one. Uh, but I've heard um, my sister, who is a parent, I am not, has told me that it's kind of weird having to talk to your kids about Lent and Easter. She said Christmas and Advent is really easy because yeah. it's a lot of fun and it's a birthday it's party happy. for Jesus. It's very happy there. But Lent is a time of like solemn reflection. And how do you talk to a four-year-old about that and 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 walk them through like the depth of Lent? Yeah. But also being able to emotionally bring them to Easter. Like it's, it's yeah. a lot for a child to handle, which is why I think for most of us growing up, we didn't really talk about Lent as we kids. We skipped over it. It was all about Easter. Yeah. Um, and so we were just waiting for the Easter bunny to come for six right. weeks or however long. But um, yeah, let's just, if you could Start just give like a big overview of like, hey, how do I get started talking to my kids about Lent? So let me pull up my sleeves here because we're getting serious. <laughs> um, the first thing I would say is it's not one conversation. And I think if we try to sit them down and tell the whole story of Lent and Holy Week and Easter in one sitting, we're going to lose them. It's too much. We're going to get flustered with everything we want to say. We're going to overwhelm them. And so just take that off the table. We don't even need to do that. We don't need to say, this is Lent and here's the whole story. This is what you're going to do. Um, yeah. All right, four-year-old. Yeah. Here's what we're going to do for the next seven weeks of your life, right. which is like an eternity. <laughs> yeah. So I think the first thing that I would do as a parent is bring them to church. Let us help you. We are going to start talking about this on Sunday mornings. We've actually been building up to this since Christmas because we talk about Jesus being born. And then we talk about Jesus's life. And then we talk about John preparing the way. And we talk about Jesus being tempted in the desert. And all of these things will come back into play as we move through the Lenten season. Mm -hmm. So I think that's one thing you can do um, that's easy. And the other thing is just start at the beginning. We're going to start the season on Ash Wednesday. And so you don't even really need to do a lot of prep work. You can start there with a very simple explanation of, hey, remember at Christmas time, we set up the tree, we get ready for Christmas. Well, this is a new season and we're starting a special season at church and mm -hmm. it's called Lent and start from there. But how, don't give the whole story. How do you explain like, so that that's a specific thing, which is also really difficult. How do you explain the meaning behind Ash Wednesday to a child? Because again, I think of uh, from dust you came and to dust you will return. Yeah. Terrifying. It is terrifying. <laughs> and so we don't say that, especially to little kids. When we do the imposition of ashes on younger kids, we do the ashes on the forehead, and we say, God loves you. And when we're explaining Ash Wednesday to kids, we start with that. We say, this is a special time when everybody's going to come together, and we're going to talk about what's coming up. And 
we're here to celebrate God's love for us. And we are one big family. You have to look at it from age appropriate examples. You don't want to tell the whole story. Mm -hmm. You don't want to scare them to death and have them never come back because it is a little hard to understand. So you look at how old they are and what they can handle and you start from there. Yeah. Well, okay. So what are some of the big questions that you've heard kids ask about Lent and Easter that you personally have found hard to answer? Because I know kids can ask those questions that just stump us and we're like, uh, <laughs> I don't yeah. know. They do ask those questions. So honestly, they don't really ask about Lent. Mm-hmm. Um, I very rarely have a question about Lent and I'm, I am making up in the words of Pastor Doug, I make up that we're not talking about Lent at home. If kids aren't asking me questions, they haven't really heard this, they come here on a Sunday morning and they're with me for one hour a week, it's not really in their mind. Um, And so I would start with that. We've got to kind of talk about it at home in age-appropriate ways and in ways that work for our family to kind of get the mindset going that this is important and this is why we have Easter. Um, But then you get to the Easter story and you get to Holy Week, especially, and there are some really tough questions. You know, we don't, the way we tell the story is different based on the age. You know, we're not going to tell two and three-year-olds the same story that I would tell a fourth and fifth grader. But I'll be honest, last year we were doing the Easter story um, for the fourth and fifth graders on a Wednesday night in our Club 45 group. And that's just a special time where kids can come together and have a meal and fellowship. And we do a short Bible lesson because we can't hold their attention span at the end of the day. But we told the Easter story. um, And this sweet little fifth grade boy raised his hand and said, I don't understand why they were so mean to Jesus. Mm. And he was almost crying and very upset about it. And, you know, the other leaders and I just kind of had to take a step back and say, I know it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. Jesus was telling people something that people didn't want to hear or was something they couldn't understand. And so these people made a choice. And we don't, we don't use the word sin a lot with the elementary kids for the reason we don't want to scare them. We just say people made choices. And this was the choice that people made and what they did to Jesus. But the good news is there's a happy ending. You know, Jesus came back. And that's how God shows his love for us. God will always be there. God never left Jesus and God is never going to leave us. But it's hard when they ask those questions. And I would say also, it's okay as a parent or as an aunt or an uncle or a grandparent or anyone to say, you know what? I don't know. I don't completely understand this story either. And it's really hard for me to imagine why they did these things. It's okay to say you don't know because we don't know everything. And I think that um, is good for kids to see that it's a mystery and it's a wonder. To, some of this is a wonder to us and we're learning our whole lives just like they are. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of the principles behind godly play, which I was introduced to for the first time here when I started yeah. working here. And uh, a lot of it is uh, built on, I wonder statements. Right. So you're not asking a question that me- needs to be answered, but you're pontificating out loud of like, right. I wonder why people were so mean to Jesus and you just sit with it and leave space and leave silence. And it was shocking to me how kids would participate with that wondering. They really Um, will. And, and I think that that's maybe a really great place to start is 
bring those wonder statements into your home of like, I wonder what Jesus was feeling right. when, you know, Judas betrayed him and just leave it there. Right. And the kids might participate and be like, oh, well, I would be feeling right. X. Um, so I or think that- why do you think this happened? I mean, they have a lot of reasons, you know, just from the lessons that they learn from us on mm-hmm. Sundays that maybe wouldn't come to me. They think of they think of way out of the box things that I don't necessarily think of anymore because I've been reading the same story forever and they're looking at it from a fresh young perspective. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Why do you think that parents struggle to engage their kids with Lent specifically? We've already said historically, we haven't been good at it. Like I don't remember talking about Lent until I was in middle school as a kid. Why? I think traditionally outside of the Catholic church that um, churches and religions have kind of left this to the side for younger kids. And it hasn't really been part of the curriculum or, you know, the everyday lessons that we teach this time of year. We really just haven't done this with kids. And the last, I would say, five years here at Treach, We've focused more on Lent with kids and trying to explain it in a way that they can understand. But you you have to break it down and make it simple. We don't want to tell kids you have to fast and and you know pray this prayer every day. We want it to be a way that they can actually engage and participate. And so we just focus on fast, pray, give. And we make charts every year. And when we talk about fasting, you know, we talk about things like put your Nintendo Switch down for one day a week or giving, you know, what can we give? And giving is not just money. Mm-hmm. Giving is helping your, you know, brother feed the dog one night or, you know, taking in the mail for your neighbor, something like that. We want to give kids ways that they can participate in Lent and feel good about themselves and feel like they are contributing and they are making a difference. So we break it down like that and fast, pray, give. And we do that starting at four and five just a level where they can understand it. Um, but I think it's hard for parents to, it's hard for parents to talk about something that seems kind of like a downer. It's, mm. you know, it's not a happy season. Well, and that's what I was wondering. It is, is there a way to create space for the kids to experience the grief of Lent? Yeah. How, how would you do that? I think First of all, it goes back to the age level. You're going to want to do it at an appropriate age. Um, Just like you wouldn't give the whole birds and bees speech to a four-year-old, you're not going to give the entire story. But a really important way to do it is to bring them to church, bring them to Ash Wednesday, bring them to the different services that we offer so they're exposed to it. If we're not exposing them to different elements of Lent, they're not going to know, or it's just going to be something, you know, on a piece of paper that they, that they see or something they see online. Um, and then the other thing I would say is you've got to be intentional about the scripture and the stories that you tell. And I know it's really hard for families in this day and age with all of the activities. I mean, the sports, the, the arts, the everything else starts so much younger than it did when, when you and I were kids. So I know they're busy, but if there can be one intentional time a day where you're talking about 
scripture or the Bible story or, you know, where we are in the season of Lent or, hey, what are we going to do as a family to give back or what can we pray for as a family together today? If you can find, you know, even one minute, one specific time period a day to do this, it might be in the car on the way to school. It might be at bedtime. It might be family dinner on the nights that you're able to do that. But you have to be intentional in exposing them on a continual basis Mm -hmm. to the different elements of Lent. What are some of the mistakes we've made in talking about Lent and Easter? Because we already talked about maybe information overload. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't want to give them too much and try and do a full rundown of the season in one sitting. But what what are some of the landmines we can stay away from with these conversations? I think the biggest mistake we make is not talking about it, which we've talked about that a little bit. Um, So you have to acknowledge it. You have to talk about this as a family, just like we're not going to go through the month of December without ever talking about Mary and Joseph and Mary and Elizabeth. We tell the stories. So I think with Lent, we need to tell the stories. And that's something um, we're not doing. And so if we can bring it back to the basics and bring it back to the Bible stories and the narrative and the things we read, you know, in the Gospels about the things that led up to Holy Week, then that's a great starting point. Um, the other thing I think we, the other thing I think we do is, um, you know, we fall into the commercial trap. We just want to pick out the outfits for Easter and take the pictures and the blue bonnets and how many egg hunts can I go to during Easter season? And we check, 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 check off all those boxes of you know, the commercial things that we do, which are great. And, you know, I do those things as well. And I still do Easter baskets for my kids. But if we only do one without the other, we're missing the whole point. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I was going to ask you what your thoughts are about the Easter bunny and Easter egg hunts and all of these things. Do they have a place in our Christian tradition? Because I know uh, us as a church, other churches in the community, we've always incorporated an Easter egg hunt and maybe even featuring the Easter bunny. Right. I don't know. And, and this is the same argument that we get into over Christmas of like, should Santa we Claus. or should we not have a breakfast with Santa? Right. Are we detracting from right. the reason of the season? Um And where is the balance between like enjoying the culture around us that we're a part of, but also staying focused on our spirituality? Like, what is that? What are your thoughts on that line for Easter? (laughs) It's hard. It's really hard. Um, You know, I struggle with that. I struggle with, do we have an egg hunt when there are 5 million other egg hunts in in the community. So what are we providing with that? And if we do a secular element for Easter or some kind of community event or special stuff at church, I want it to have a spiritual component along with it because that's why we're here. We're here to lead others. My job is to lead kids into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And so if I'm just doing an egg hunt or just having pictures with the Easter bunny, you know, I'm, I'm missing the boat. So I really try to kind of walk the line of providing those type of events because we want kids to have fun. We want them to come together. We want them to build relationships with other people. We want them to want to come to church, 
because there's nothing better than a kid begging their parent to take them to church and a kid not wanting to miss. And I remember doing that sometimes as a kid. I remember, you know, we'd be out of town or something and I would, we'd come back late Saturday night. And I remember telling my parents, but we have to be at church tomorrow morning. Mm. And so I want kids in this community to feel that way about church. And so if providing some kind of balance between Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny and everything else is what we do, then I, and if it helps build their experience, I want to do that, but I, I don't want that to be it. Mm -hmm. I want them to come to the other stuff too. I want them to come to Ash Wednesday. You know, I want them to understand Holy Thursday and all the other things that happen that week. So it's, it's a balance. So for parents who at home want to do the Easter egg hunt in the backyard and the Easter baskets on that Sunday morning, yeah. and go and take pictures with the Easter bunny and the blue bonnets yeah. and all of that stuff. Do you have um, any advice of how to incorporate spirituality into those cultural moments into those moments you know it's kind of hard um we talk about lent and the meaning of lent and it it's springtime and it's easter and a time we um celebrate renewal and life and growth and so it's kind of hard to be intentional about incorporating those conversations and so it has to just be ongoing hey remember this is this is why we're celebrating. And, you know, you're not going to have that conversation like when you're going everything to... Everything had yeah. to die for these blue bonnets to be to born. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> God bless Texas. And yeah. we're going to take our pictures. Yeah. yeah. You're on. You're probably not going to have those conversations when you're taking pictures with the Easter Bunny. And that's okay. Yeah. I mean, we're not going to be perfect. And every moment does not have to be a teaching moment. But incorporating hear, where you can. Yeah. I did hear a few years ago and I can't remember. I, I know, I don't know who came up with it, but I heard this story about like, you know, the little plastic Easter eggs and they were scattered all over the place and you fill them with candy and everything. And there was one that uh, the kid opened that was empty, empty, which the truth was someone just forgot to fill that one with candy, but yeah. then they turned it into a story about the empty tomb. Right. And that is like, oh, you found the empty Easter egg. How exciting right. because the tomb was empty. And then it turned into a yearly tradition of who can find the empty egg yes. to celebrate uh, the resurrection of Jesus. And I was like, that's really cute. Like that's a fun illustration for young kids to get excited cute. about that. But now a lot of them want a prize for finding the empty Easter egg. Yeah. So it's, <laughs> it's a hard balance. We've done something like that. No, you're and like, I know the empty egg is the gift. That is the prize. Remember. <laughs> Jesus loves you. Yeah. Um, you know, we've done a lot of different things like that. We've done a scavenger hunt and I, I posted it during COVID and I, we got a lot of positive feedback on that. I need to pull that back out because it's that type of thing. It's each egg is a different item mm -hmm. or tells a different part of the story. And a lot of families make resurrection eggs and a lot of people make, um, you know, the, the cinnamon rolls that you make with the marshmallow in the middle. And once you bake them, and cut it in half, the marshmallow is gone. So it's the tomb is empty. There are a lot of... I've never heard that one. Really? That's a fun one. No. Okay. I mean, yeah. all, all of this, like, you know, of course, Pinterest, <laughs> Instagram, all this didn't exist when I was a yeah. kid. So it's like, oh, I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. You know, just as many ways as you can incorporate it back into the stuff that you're going to do as a mom at Easter or as a parent or an aunt or, you know, whatever. It's As much as you can pull it in, I would say pull in the Christ story along with it. But honestly, when my kids were little or even now when they're opening their Easter eggs and on a Sunday morning, I'll be honest, the Easter egg is the story and not yeah. the rest of it. But then it's like, okay, we're going to church and this is why we're going to church. And 
So that we're not we're not saying, hey, you know, you shouldn't be doing cultural Easter. No. Like, you know, it's it's against our faith right. tradition or anything like that. We're just no. saying be mindful yeah. as much as you can. Yeah. Um, as much as you can. Yeah. Remind kids why we're doing it. Just like you have to do at East, I mean, at Christmas with Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. I think we have Never to mind. remind ourselves just as much as the kids <laughs> yeah. of like, what is this really about? Right. Um, same with fasting. I feel like I've made the mistake over and over again of whatever I'm fasting f- from being to benefit myself as right. opposed to like really focusing on spirituality. Um, and introducing your kids to fasting is... I don't know. Like, I don't know how you do that. I understand. How do you, how do you introduce your kids to fasting in a positive way without them feeling like they're being punished? Like, cause you mentioned, right. oh, give up, you know, the video games right. one day a week. Well, that could easily feel like a punishment. Right. Which it is, can feel like yeah. a punishment. But at this point, I look at what we do on a Sunday morning as kind of prep work mm-hmm. for families at home. And we've talked about Jesus fasting and we've talked about scripturally where this comes from. And we've talked about how this helps Jesus focus mm-hmm. and clear his mind, you know, on what was about to happen. So we kind of spin it in a positive way with kids because even as adults, nobody wants to fast. I mean, yeah. I have a really good friend who every year gives up Diet Coke, but then starts drinking Diet Dr. Pepper. And I'm like, you've missed the whole point. This does not, this is not the same thing. No, you're doing it wrong. (laughs) So, so, but I don't want kids to think it's a negative thing. We just, especially at the younger age, want them to kind of comprehend um, that they're sacrificing something and that they are, you know, giving something up for the greater good and that we're all in community together. We're doing this together. And we talk about what did you give up this week? What did you pray for this week? You know, and we spin it in, in positive ways that are going to make them feel good and feel like they are participating. Mm-hmm. Okay. I want to focus a little bit on Holy Week. Okay. Right. That's a tough one. It's hard. How do we guide kids through Holy Week from Palm Sunday to Maundy Thursday, Good Friday, possibly Holy Saturday? I know traditionally we don't really celebrate right. that in the Methodist church, but I mean, it's it's a big part of the uh, resurrection story. Right. How do we guide them through that? Because there is darkness. There's and a lot depth of darkness there. Yes. Yeah. So... I would say kids really start or they have their first grasp of death and the concept of death around four to five, but they don't really get that it's final. And so just like we talked about at the beginning of this podcast, you've got to tell it in a way that they can understand um, and they don't have to know everything, you know, based on their age. So I would say with Holy Week and Palm Sunday is a big deal at church. And that's always one of our and biggest kids, attended with kids. Oh my gosh. The yeah. kids love it with the palms and getting to parade in. And it's just like a joyful celebration. Yeah. Um, they do And then we it. skip <laughs> and then all we of skip. the sad stuff and go straight to Easter. Another big celebration. Yes. But after we do the big palm celebration with the kids and we go to the sanctuary, then we come back to our small groups and we tell the story of Holy Week and we talk about the Last Supper and we talk about Jesus eating with his friends and knowing that one is about to betray him and that 
the rest of the week is not going to be so happy. Um, but we do it in a way, you know, that they're going to understand the twos and threes and four year olds aren't going to understand exactly Jesus dying on the cross. And we're not going to tell that entire story. We're going to say Jesus died and his friends were really sad, but Jesus came back and God loves us and God will never leave us. And then maybe for the next stage, we're going to tell a little bit more of the story, but you just take it piece by piece. So I would say reading to your kids. And there are a lot of books that tell the story. There's one book called The 40 Days of Easter, where you read a different story each night. They're all scriptural um, that kind of builds up to it. So again, you're not going to dump the whole thing on them at one time. By the time you get to Holy Week, you should have told a lot of the story and kids, you know, are familiar with kind of what's happening in Jesus's life. And so it's not Palm Sunday is a happy thing and the rest of the week is not, but it's not a complete surprise because we know at this point that people are questioning Jesus and that it's not a completely easy road for him. Mm -hmm. And he's had to contemplate and he's had to spend time in prayer and he's had to, I won't say defend, explain why he is here. Right. And so, um, if we are building on that, it's not such a daunting thing when it comes to Holy Week. I will say, I think a lot of families do exactly what you just said, and they come for Palm Sunday and they're back for Easter, and kids don't know about Thursday and Good Friday and the rest of the story. And so I think that's on us as a church, and it's on us as parents, mm -hmm. grandparents, family members to help fill in the gaps yeah. and remind them there's more to the story than this. We have something um, that we give out on Palm Sunday. They're like trading cards that are just little guides to help parents tell the story of, okay, thanks for coming on Palm Sunday. But remember, there's all these other things that are happening mm -hmm. happening this week before you come back for Easter. But at, you've got to do that at home and you've got to tell them. Well, and I don't know if this is something that we have failed at as a church with a capital C as in like across a church, the church, right. um, the corporate church, the corporate church. Uh, we don't really do kid friendly version of Maundy Thursday, good Friday in right. a way that they can digest it. And that's one of the things I've loved of like, you've been extremely intentional with Christmas, especially of like, okay, let's have a kid's version of the service. Let's right. do, and you're doing that this year with Ash Wednesday we of like, we're having a kids and family service that it's a, it's a resource for parents right. to be able to start this journey of Lent with their kids. Right. Because a traditional Ash Wednesday service can be overwhelming. It's for very a child. overwhelming. I mean, it's emotional for me. I cry at oh, Ash yeah. Wednesday. And, well, and then when I think of the Good Friday services, like I said, they are dark. Right. It is every, it's a lot of silence and a lot of discomfort and really terrible, uh, story right. and a lot of violence. And I think a lot of people choose not to bring their kids to right. that service for good reason. Right. Like it's, it could be traumatizing and leaving in darkness and leaving in silence. Yes. Yeah. It's a lot for a kid to handle. Is there a place for a kid friendly Maundy Thursday or good Friday experience? I would love to build towards that. So we are doing, um, an Ash Wednesday family service this year. So last year I took our club 45 kids into the sanctuary on Ash Wednesday. This was just part of their club experience. Parents weren't here. And I explained just the basics of Ash Wednesday. And I explained that a lot of people are going to come to church tonight. And the reason they're coming 
is to start the season of Lent and they are going to have ashes imposed on their foreheads and to remind them um, that we will all return to the earth someday and that this is part of God's plan and God loves us. And then we did the, the ashes on the kids. Um, and it was so well received and so many parents said, thank you for explaining this. I don't know how to explain this. We don't know what to do that. I just thought, we want to offer it up to all the parents this year. So, you know, we're going to have a 30 minute service and it's not going to be dark. We're going to talk and Pastor Gracie is going to come and she's going to talk a little bit about, you know, the season and Ash Wednesday specifically, but we're going to do it in a way where kids are not going to feel uncomfortable and we don't want to worry them and sadden them. And also go over their heads with concepts that I mean, even us as adults have trouble comprehending. It is. I yeah. mean, it's it's hard to comprehend. And I, you know, I had a parent ask me just today and I said, you know what? It's okay to say you don't know. I don't know. We don't, we don't know everything. Mm-hmm. So, um, so you said you're working towards, back a, to your question, I would Monday love to Thursday. do that, yeah. you know, and I don't know. The reality is I don't know how families would react to something on Palm Sunday and Thursday and Friday mm-hmm. and Easter you know, so maybe in the future, we look at something um, just special for families that week, like on a Wednesday to, okay, here to lead you into the rest of Holy Week and prepare you for Easter. I would love to get to that because it's very easy as a parent to skip over the hard. It's very easy to skip over what you don't want to talk about um, and just go straight to Easter. I get it. Yeah. So, so as a non-parent, mm-hmm. What can I do to be a source of support for the kids in my church? Because I'm not going to have that, you know, as as one-to-one conversation for the right. most part or the teaching or, you know, I'm not going to be making biscuits with a marshmallow inside <laughs> right. for kids on Easter morning, <laughs> you, you know, do that, that sort of thing. <laughs> um, I, what? How can I just make sure I'm a source of support? I think the biggest thing is parents tell me over and over again that they don't want to take their kids into worship in the sanctuary because they feel like they're a distraction to other people and they don't always feel like they're welcome in the sanctuary. Mm -hmm. And so I would say to anyone that doesn't have kids or, you know, is empty nesters or has green kids or whatever, welcome kids. Yeah. Welcome them when you see them in the sanctuary, tell them you're happy to see them. When you see a kid at church, tell them, thanks for coming. Um, I think that's the biggest thing is to, see kids, acknowledge them and make them feel like they belong. Yeah. That's, I, I guess I under like, that's something I've never really had a problem with. I don't have kids, don't plan on having kids, not my cup of tea, but I love seeing kids in church. Like I love hearing a baby cry in the sanctuary. I think there's something holy and sacred about that. And I, I don't have focus issues. Like I can understand people who maybe, uh, aren't neurotypical, having a problem with that and not being able to have a worshipful mindset. So fortunately, that's something I don't struggle with. But um, yeah, I totally get that because I think that we have removed kids from the equation on Sunday mornings and saying, okay, we're going to put you on this side of the building so that I can have my worship experience. And we're missing something, but I think there's merit in both of like giving kids their own space and their own time is important, but we can't always be separate. Right. And again, where's the balance? Where's It's a tough balance. (laughs) Yeah. You know, we're providing something for the adults, 
with worship in the sanctuary. And then at the same time, a kid is not going to learn if they go to the sanctuary every week. So right. it's it's our job in children and youth to provide an experience for them where they're going to learn and they're going to be able to be curious and ask questions and grow spiritually. But as much as I can get kids into the sanctuary and worshiping together as a family or to, you know, say, hey, this is what we do. It's it's God's house and everyone is welcome in every part of this house. And so... I just love, I want to get them involved Mm. and to be seen. So reflecting on everything that we've talked about, why is this even important to examine the way that we are bringing our kids into Lent? Why don't we just do it the way we've always done it and be like, ah, you'll find out when you're older? Because I think if we don't take a critical look at the way we navigate Lent and the Easter story, I don't think we're setting our kids up um, to fully realize and participate in the spiritual gift that is Easter. I think we're doing a disservice to them by not preparing them and teaching them and engaging them in this, and they're going to miss something. I mean, as humans, we're born with a spiritual nature. We're curious. We want to know. We believe in something. We believe in something greater than us. And by just skipping over the how and the why, we're, we're not helping our kids. We, we are better for knowing the whole story. We are better for growing spiritually as a family. And this is the best time of year to do that, I think. Mm. So I, I think that some, some closing thoughts around that for parents is like, hey, don't be afraid to get it wrong like you don't have to be perfect and just small bite-sized pieces when you can and don't be overwhelmed by this and and also you know we are here to help and support you in any way that we can yeah um do you have any resources for parents during this season of lent uh that they can start this journey as yeah, a family? absolutely. So we have a Lent calendar that we're going to be um, publishing online and it'll be on you know, our social media channels where you can track the days of Lent as we go along. And we've talked a lot about 40 and the meaning of 40 in our small group classes on Sundays and in the Anchor Our Worship environment. Um, so the kids are, you know, are familiar with that. But if you don't go to this church, you know, that's something really easy to incorporate and learn about as you go along. So we have a Lent calendar. We have Lent activity cards. So there are 40 activity cards. And I'm going to give them out on the Sunday morning. And they're going to be in these little envelopes. And just every day you can pick one card out of the envelope. We're also going to provide them online. So you can just print them off if you're not you know, in the building on a Sunday. But it just gives you one thing to do for Lent that day. Maybe read this one scripture. Or pray for your neighbor. Or they're just simple little things that all revolve around pray, fast, and give, but in a way that a kid can participate and learn and feel good about themselves. Um, and then Holy Week, we will have information online, and then we'll give them out on, on Sundays as well, um, just explaining the different days of Holy Week. And I would just ask parents, you know, don't skip over that. Talk about it and find find times in your day to incorporate the spiritual along with the Easter bunny and the Easter eggs. (laughs) So if you're a parent and you're loving the way all of this sounds and you want to give it a try this year, go a little deeper with uh, your kids, 
go to tmumc.org slash Lent Kids, and uh, you're going to find all of these resources that Julie just talked about. We'll have printouts for you. We'll have links out to other resources. Even this podcast episode will be on there. Everything will be available to you. And uh, we hope to see you uh, throughout Lent, whether it be on Wednesday nights or Sunday mornings. So thanks, Julie, Thank for you. educating me. Thank you. <laughs> see you next time. The Life Plus God podcast is hosted, written, and produced by me, Alyssa Robinson, and sponsored by Treach Memorial United Methodist Church in Flower Mound, Texas. If you live in the Flower Mound area, I invite you to stop by and see if Treach could be your new church family. You can learn more about all of our programs and events at tmumc.org. And I hope to catch you next week for our next episode of the Life Plus God podcast.